Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. It's John Clark. I'm a licensed therapist, group practice owner, and business coach at privatepracticeworkshop.com. I'm excited to introduce my guest today. It's Nicole Lewis Kieber. She's the business therapist, the author of How to Love Your Business, and the creator of the Do No Harm program for trauma conscious entrepreneurs. She's passionate about the impact of small T trauma on businesses and combines therapeutic process with business coaching to help help entrepreneurs build emotionally sustainable, financially stable businesses. Um, Nicole, thanks so much for being here. Um, what else should people know just kind of jumping off of that that bio as to who you are and, and how you got here? Yeah, they they should know that when I use the moniker business therapist, and I actually am a therapist, have been a therapist. That's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people using that terminology around, right? Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I have a master's degree in social work and I'm a licensed clinical social worker and I'm licensed in the state of Pennsylvania. And for 18 years, I was in a clinical capacity as a therapist or clinical supervisor, a lot of different um, arenas in my, my history. Um, before I began to transition to doing um, some coaching with small business owners and entrepreneurs because I wanted to support people in a little bit of a different way. Um, and I've worked with everyone since then, people who own group practices, um, you know, massage therapists, interior designers, you name it, I've worked with them. And it's been a really uh, interesting journey to actually transition from doing direct practice to still you yeah. know, using this therapist hat um, in this new world. Yeah. And, and so how did you get interested in this idea of um, trauma in the context of how it affects our businesses and ourselves as, as business owners? You know, it was an evolution and it's one of those things where it's mm. kind of, you were at the right place for that awareness. Yeah. Um, you know, I started out doing money mindset coaching with small business owners. And um, I think a lot of them were attracted to working with me because I had been a therapist and we really did a lot of work on how, um, about money trauma, basically about how trauma was impacting their money, the way that they could, the way that they valued themselves mm. and how it was impacting their bottom line. And I began to see that it wasn't, you know, they didn't have a mindset issue when it came around money. They were actually struggling with a trauma response or um, the impact of childhood trauma on how they were setting up their relationship with their money. And furthermore, yeah. it began to, you know, just really evolve into understanding not just that, how childhood trauma actually impacts many aspects of how of how people run their businesses. And I saw this with my clients and with myself as well when I started yeah. my own business. And it's just been an evolution since then. What would be an example of that? Or you mentioned money trauma, which are not necessarily two words I've heard put together. Um, but what, what would be an example of that or maybe a way that it uh, tends to show up for therapists in private practice? Yeah, I think undercharging. I think I, I think that Money trauma, kind of the definition of that is, is some experience that you had, you know, in those, you know, formative years where an in information about money, your safety, your security uh, kind of got downloaded. Um, could have been that you saw a parent struggle, you were, you know, dealing with financial insecurity, um, but you internalized some, you know, some thoughts yeah. or beliefs about money and how that can play out for us, you know, as, um, business owners or, you know, therapists is deferring wealth, deferring um, the ability of to bring in more revenue, like under, yeah. you know, un underpricing, you know, those type of things um, is how the money trauma can show up. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, 
the, the word worth comes to mind, right? And there's a lot of us who have underlying beliefs and you know faulty beliefs around if I uh, charge more and make more, I'm a burden or I'm um, unlovable or I'm greedy or whatever it is. It, it triggers something automatic there that tends to stop us from doing the thing that would better serve our lives and our businesses or our mm-hmm. families, whatever it might be. Um, and sometimes it's just a matter of making that belief um, explicit, you know, which I think is personally what I believe is a lot of what therapy is about. It's about questioning underlying assumptions and then looking at that and saying, okay, the belief is, you know, if I charge X, then I'm a bad person or I'm greedy or I'm money hungry or I can't charge X because I'm not worth that much, whatever it might be. So making that explicit and then, um, you know, looking at the validity of that belief and how it's serving you or how relevant it is to today so yeah and you see so many people in the money mindset industry who will say oh you need to charge what you're worth but you know when you've had challenges against your worth in your life that's not going to be meaningful to someone you have to help them understand what number actually feels icky and what number feels good and you start to do some work on expanding your tolerance for charging Mm -hmm. that thing um, because you can't charge what you're worth. You're, you're priceless, right? That, that's not a good, a good measurement of what your worth is. And particularly if you're in the healing industry, you know, like, like we are, have been, people have a lot of very strong opinions about what you're allowed to make in that industry. As oh, well. big time. That's mm-hmm. the, we, we have an incredible way of holding one another down and, uh, <laughs> devaluing one another and shaming the therapist mm-hmm. who's, who's charging more than, there. than the next therapist. And, uh, I'm befuddled by that even years into doing this work and being a therapist, helping therapists. We just, uh, we're still pretty good at that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I agree. I agree. So what, what's the, I mean, what's the work, um, like for, for, for this, uh, this type of thing? I mean, if there's kind of money trauma, for instance, issues around worth that are tied to, to trauma, is it that the therapist needs to go and get that trauma resolved you know through good trauma therapy and that will help their business or how do you i mean make sense of it all and how do you actually help you know business owners yeah um so i think that is is a couple of things it's kind of the yes and in that um i think that a lot of therapists first we have to look at the the origination of our desire to be a therapist and i and i whether you're a therapist or you know, um, someone who opens a, starts a music company, like I work with all kinds of people, but there's an origin story about your desire to start a business or to be entrepreneurial. And a lot of times that origin story ha- is connected to some kind of childhood experience that we had that could have been traumatic. And in that moment, either consciously or unconsciously, we said, I never want to feel this way again. So I'm going to, or yeah. I want to prove this person wrong. So I'm going to go do this thing. Or I always want to be the person in control um, so that I feel safer and secure. And so, you know, trucking down the line a little bit and that can be I'm going to start my own business or I'm going to be entrepreneurial and always be the one in control. Or I'm very interested in therapy, what it it means, why people make the decisions they do about, you know, all the things. So we have to have to look at the origin story of if therapists is our connection to becoming a therapist rooted in some kind of trauma that we have. Right. Yeah, often is the case. Right? Yeah. yeah. I, I know very few therapists who are like, I'm going to be a therapist and start a practice and everything was hunky dory for me. Right. There's some uh, 
motivation. And so what I have seen is that trauma can often be the motivation to become a therapist. It can also be the motivation to be the one who owns the practice or a group practice or even just your own private practice. Um, mm. And so we have to look at what is our motivation and get what I call your deeper why. Get a real clear understanding of what your deeper why is. What is the emotional need that you have here that you're trying to meet? Because what we do often is we put business solutions on emotional challenges. And when we do that and don't recognize mm. it, we don't get the relief that we're looking for. Well, the challenge is differentiating between is this um, meeting a, a healthy need of mine or is it uh, rooted in trauma or in, you know, never feeling like I'm good enough or the therapist that's a, a martyr and, you know, sees 40 clients a week and feels like, you know, I can't not do this or whatever it is. So I guess my question is, how do you help therapists know if their, their why is um, healthy or not? Yeah. So, um we kind of go through a process of, I, I believe that when you start a business of any kind that you enter into a relationship with it. And so I take them through some processes of determining what type of relationship they have with their current business or current practice. Um, if the relationship feels demanding and demeaning, if it feels like it's out of their control or that they can never please this business where they're feeling uh, like they're being almost, they're almost being a victim of this business, then we're able to kind of take a peek at, okay, so this is your business. And so what was the, what was the catalyst for setting it up to make it be pretty much a perpetrator of abuse towards you, right? We set up those patterns again. And so we, we do some exercises to figure out what is the relationship you have now? What is the one that you'd like to have? And where have you felt this way before? What relationship in your past have you experienced? Um, And I had to do this with myself because I recognized that my own business, I had set it up to replicate a role dynamic that I had with my mother who was, you know, had a very challenging relationship growing with. So in my own business, I felt like I could never do anything right. Yeah. Right. And so you kind of have to take a look at what are some of the um, relationship dynamics that are coming up for you in this thing that you have created that you have put your time and effort into. So interesting. And, and, um, I I've, you know, I meet a lot of therapists and one in particular, I'm thinking about a a client of mine and, you know, he started his business in a crisis by necessity, right? There was a major loss of income, big shift in the family, right? A divorce happens. And then, you know, he kind of entered into private practice in that crisis, right? Where it was like, if I don't grow this darn thing, really bad things are going to happen or, you know, more bad things are going to happen. And so, and what's interesting is years later when he's then now doing great, has a solid business, is making a fantastic income, meaning the income that he wants to make and is, is, is doing really well in that regard, seeing the type of clients he wants to see, all those things are like, they're working, but internally, he's still operating and feeling like he's in that crisis, right? And he has to do more and waiting for the other shoe to drop. And that's a trauma response, right? And it's, it goes against the facts and even showing him like his numbers, his profit and loss statement, all that it still feels like, but what if, right? So, I mean, how would you kind of work with a client like that? Or even, um, um, we have this, this, um, this topic of the, the four signs that unchecked trauma is running your business. I don't know if any of those pop out to you there or what else you would look at. Yeah, exactly. It, it actually does. Um, yeah. Some of the signs are, 
you know, this person set up this business out of a, you know, a, an emergent response, like crisis oriented and their, their nervous system or their, you know, mindset yeah. never caught up to the fact that, you know, we're not in crisis anymore. And so we're going to continue to operate our business from this crisis standpoint. We're not going to celebrate wins. Um, we're not going to you know, assess where we're at realistically and kind of let it sink in that we're no longer in crisis, that we can actually be in growth mode at this point. Right. Yeah. So um, that would probably be an example of feeling like, you know, it's running you instead of you running it. Yeah. Um, because they haven't put any what I call like that emotional sustainability plan. Like, what is it that you need emotionally from this business to feel sustainable so that you can continue to work towards the financial stability that you want and not feel like that, you know, the business is running you. Um, you know, so that's part of it. And also striving, but never arriving, right. It's using this place of, I'm going to continue to run, you know, continue to run with my hair on fire. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't recognize that it's, it's out. It's been put out yeah. for a long time you know, from now. Um, but I've never yeah. arrived to the point where I feel safe, secure, my goals have been met and I can actually grow a new goal for myself that yeah. feels, you know, satisfying as opposed to, um, being just literally a trauma response at that right. point. Yeah. Right. It's so interesting. I see a lot of therapists, um, kind of delaying their gratification, right. Or delaying feeling good about their business, or it might be as tangible as not paying yourself. Right. I met a therapist Well, I'm working with one right now who, um, after you know a year and a half of working really really hard she hasn't paid herself and it's just that that fear of uh, what if something goes wrong or have i earned it or deserve it or even just not knowing um like practically <laughs> having that permission to pay yourself and setting up um you know a healthy uh you know kind of bookkeeping process for yourself of how you mm -hmm. kind of um, get paid. And I, I talk a lot about treating yourself like as if you're your best employee. And I asked her, I said, would you hire an employee who's been seeing 25 people a week for a year and a half and not pay them? How abusive is that? <laughs> right. That. Yeah. And she emailed me this morning and she said, good news. I paid myself for the first time and it felt amazing, like incredible, incredible. And, yeah. um, you know, she just needed that permission or she needed someone from the outside to go, wow, that's really abusive. And uh, you have my permission now to, to pay yourself. Yeah. yeah, it's so easy to set up a codependent or an abusive dynamic with our relationship with our business. And that's a perfect example of it. And in my book, um, How to Love Your Business, I tell a story about, you know, me giving a talk about you are your, you know, you're your own boss, right? You're the most important employee in the room. You matter, you're important. And um, this and I was talking about how you know a lot of the people that I've talked to or worked with are literally running their businesses from the corner of you know a kitchen table with with no boundaries, no space around them. And this one woman stood up and she said, You've called me out. I'm literally working in a broken chair in you know in my kids' playroom while and I keep moving my laptop around as they come in. And I, and I said, so if you had an employer who gave you a broken chair and yeah. no place to do your work, what would you do? She goes, I'd call OSHA. And I'm like, exactly. Uh, so <laughs> so why are we doing yeah. this to ourselves? We need to take a look at why you're yeah. doing this to yourself. Yeah. It's like even like taking up space um, kind of thing, again, goes back to worth in my, my opinion. And um, yeah, I had a, a client recently who um, after many, many years had delayed this um, buying 
himself the 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 therapist chair that he wanted right and again all factual information said you can afford it you should buy this chair right but that emotional piece um still hadn't caught up and sometimes i think it's really important to do that um that that piece right that tangible piece to get that emotional uh, reward um I've, I've certainly that's been the case for for me at different times or just different milestones i had even with this podcast i worked after working really hard on it and getting it to a certain point, I said, I'm going to buy my dream microphone, which is this one I'm using, you know, it's meaningless to most people. It's just a black microphone, but it was a feeling of having put in so much. And I'm staring at my old microphone right now, which is a $50 one of I've worked really hard and a lot of people don't see that. And I want to have that reward both literally and just kind of emotionally. Um, and it, there's something to it, you know, but as therapists, again, we're really bad at it. I'm certainly, it doesn't come naturally to me. It's awkward to talk about. I've had other milestones I've hit where I've bought something tangible. Um, and I think a lot of therapists would would um, judge me. So, yeah. I, I, you know, I think a lot, I think there's a couple of things that happen that I've noticed is that, you know, first of all, you know, a lot of therapists build their businesses from on, on top of trauma. Yeah, they do. It's, I see it all the time. Um, but also, let's not forget about the systems around us that condition us to be of service and, you know, and really kind of put some really strict parameters yeah. on what we what we're allowed to charge or what we're allowed to do with that money. Um, you know, I, I went to social work school. Right. So I can remember a professor in my graduate class telling me what I could probably make as a social worker. And it, and it never occurred to me to even question my salary when I started right. getting jobs, right? Because it was so, I was so conditioned to like, this right. is what you can make. Um, yeah. And the system, you know, it's a feature, not a bug of the systems, right? So it yeah. never occurred to me to even question that or to ask for more. Yeah. Um, and so it's, you know, just to kind of give ourselves a break. There's, there's a lot here that causes us yeah. to for it to be challenging for us to charge more or to buy the microphone yeah. um, or, or whatever that may be. So it's not just a one person thing. There's more to it here. That's great. Yeah. I mean, people have heard it before. Some people that have been listening a while that, that that's precisely why I'm here and have this business, which is that day one of graduate school, they sat us down and told us in so many words, if you think you can help people and make good money, you're in the wrong place. So you should leave now. It's going to be a brutal career. And they brought in a bunch of really exhausted, you know, case managers from the local agency. And they're like, this is your path. And I, it just pissed me off. It really yeah. um, struck me. And I thought for something that has so much value and is literally therapists are doing life-changing work and oftentimes saving people's lives and helping them heal their trauma or leave a relationship or recover from childhood abuse or whatever. Um, how can that not be valued? How can someone doing that work and giving their life to that that work mm -hmm. to their clients um, not also be wealthy? And it just really pissed me off, and still does. And I see a lot of those messages still being recycled and, and internalized. And therapists that already have that internal working model, it's just confirmed of like, yeah, you're right. I should just be, you know, tired all the time and burnt out, and shouldn't ask for for more. Um, in, in life it's really it it kind of fits right it's kind of like um sometimes folks who who have received abuse they go back to abuse or another abusive partner or whatever it might be it's uh um it's it's a bit predictable at mm -hmm. times and then you go why do you return to that well because yeah. the trauma is 
unhealed, right? Unresolved. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think people are, I think people are not looking for trauma in their business. Like I say this all the time, like who's looking for it there? Um, they're not. Uh, but it's so prevalent. And particularly, I think in some industries, like, you know, as therapists, um, a lot of our motivations for understanding it and becoming therapists come from a wounded place. Um, and you can absolutely bring those wounds unhealed into your business. And I talk to clients, um, therapy clients a lot who say, I, after they've been through my program, do no harm. They're like, I wish my therapist would go to, through this program because I can see how they are abusing themselves with their business, mm-hmm. how they're, you know, working crazy hours, meeting with too many people, having really poor yeah. boundaries. And, yeah. and they want more for their therapist, actually. Right. So, right. but we do it because we've been taught to do it. Totally. Um, if you're here live on YouTube, um, there's a bunch of people watching right now. If you have questions, go ahead and ask them in the comment section. I'll pull them up one by one. Um, we've got a little more than 10 minutes left um, for for any questions that you all have for Nicole. Um, going back to our original kind of um, checklist, the f- four common signs mm-hmm. that unchecked trauma is running your business. What else are we missing uh, from that list or what else just kind of comes to mind? And the, Again, the therapist listening right now wondering, mm-hmm is unchecked trauma running my business. Um, what else should we look out for? Yeah, so in in um, in my program, we talk about something called the anatomy of a traumatized business, and this can be any business. Um, and there are four categories that came from some of the research that I was doing. And I, you know, say it's unofficial research. It was just having conversations with, gosh, I don't know, like 300 plus entrepreneurs at this point, just talking about, how trauma might be showing up and what the categories may be. And there are four that can kind of floated to the surface and have stayed pretty consistent. Um, and so I like for people to know that, you know, you know, the first category is um, trust, you know, so ways that a challenge around trust can show up in your business is that you don't trust other people to, you don't delegate, right? Maybe you hire someone to do something and the next thing you know, you're taking it back from them or you're just constantly delegating, but not actually relying on anyone else because, you know, relying on someone is the behavior of trust. So if you are really struggling with trust within your business and the dynamics within your business, that could be a sign that there are some unhealed, you know, trust um, wounding in the relationship that you're building with your business. Or it could go the other the other extreme in that you trust people too much and you're handing over your your you're kind of deferring your power and direction and leadership of your own business to other people because you have some narrative that they're smarter than I am or they can do this better than me. Um, so trust is one of the ways that you can see that trauma might be showing up in your business, how that shows up for you. Um, another one is um, boundaries. We talked about mm-hmm. boundaries already. Yeah. <laughs> Are your boundaries too, um, are they too flexible? Are they leaky? Um, are you saying these are the only hours I'm going to work this week and the next thing you know, you've added on, you know, five, 10, um, the boundaries that you have with yourself about um, what type of work you're going to do. Scope creep can be a boundary, you know, by saying yes to things within your practice, you're not trained to do. So what are the boundaries that you have with your relationship and your business? And uh, the other one is money. We talked about that a little bit yeah. as well, um, yeah. that uh, it can impact you know, your revenue and your bottom line. Any yeah. questions about any of those? 
Yeah, let's see if folks um, in the audience have questions. Um, in the meantime, we got we have one here um, from Berg Counseling. He says, uh, "Is there any trauma-focused trainings you would recommend?" Regarding this, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, because if it's you know kind of clinical trainings, that's not what we're talking about as much as um, you know again how trauma affects your business. I also mm -hmm. know that. Um, uh, Nicole, you have a, an online program for folks. You have a course for folks. So feel free to talk about that a little yeah. bit and how it helps. You know, honestly, when I first started recognizing, I'm like, oh my gosh, we, this is, trauma is, is you know, embedded in this business. You know, that it's affecting the motivation, the relationship we build with it and how we operate within the business. You know, I went to Google and I started looking for this and I couldn't find anyone talking about trauma and entrepreneurship. And you know, I, I think that a lot of really amazing entrepreneurs are motivated, you know, motivated by childhood trauma because it, it creates, it really actually creates a lot of motivation and skill sets, you know, high tolerance for discomfort, wanting to be the one in control, you know, so I, I was looking at all of this and Googling and couldn't really find anyone talking about this. So I started, you know, talking about this topic and I'm seeing a few people catch up but I don't really know of any other programs that are specifically um, that certify people in this or anything like that. My program is to help people become more trauma conscious as entrepreneurs or business owners. And we call it do no harm for a reason, because a lot of people do harm to themselves with their business and to the people that they actually work with, whether it's their employees or their clients. Yeah, They're creating harmful dynamics because they're not exploring how trauma may be embedded in their business in some way. So yeah. I think that there's one other person, Mastin Kip is doing some trauma informed certifications, but I don't really know that it's specifically geared towards the business dynamic like I have. So it's kind of an evolving field at this moment. And I don't certify people. My um, program is an awareness building, a processing program, but I don't certify people at the end of it to be trauma informed in, in, in mm -hmm. any kind of way. At the end of it, you can go on my network and directory as a trauma conscious business owner, meaning that you've been through this program and that you're aware of mm -hmm. how trauma may be impacting you and the people that you work with, but it's not a trauma certification program yet. I mean, there may be one in the future, but not gotcha. yet. Got another question here <clears throat> from Samantha Russell. Um, and we've got time for maybe one more after this, if, if folks want to ask more. Um, uh, she says, how can you determine uh, whether you are being impacted by this phenomenon, uh, how can you determine whether you're making decisions from a well-informed, healed place or from trauma? Again, this is generally what we've been talking about the whole time, but um, any other thoughts for her question in particular? Yeah, I, I always say, you know, is it working for you? Um, because, you know, if if you're wanting to make more money and you're struggling with charging more um, or, buying the, the microphone, like there, there's something that you're wanting and you're struggling to get there. Um, that's a, a way to kind of take a, take a peek and say, you know, could this have, how can I assess where the root of this may have come from? You know, is there any messaging around money? Is there any messaging around what I get to do and how I get to value myself? So I always like to tell people what is not working for you in your business? Is it visibility? That's one of the other four is like being visible. Um, you know, you need to be a little bit visible for your business. And if you're really struggling yeah. with giving talks, getting on podcasts, writing a book, a blog post, networking, whatever that may be, 
that may be a challenge that you can assess. Okay, yeah. so where has being visible been harmful to me or hurtful? Um, so there are some ways that you can kind of take a look at to, to the origin story and assess where you're at. Um, I also have a trauma um, and entrepreneurship assessment. If you go to the Nicole's links, I think we'll have it in the notes. For sure. Um, there's a trauma and entrepreneurship assessment that you can take there. Um, so that's also a good place to start. Very cool. Yeah, we'll definitely <clears throat> have a, a a link to that in the um, description, of course. Um, yeah, great stuff. Um, yeah, I think the visibility piece is interesting because a lot of therapists, they want to do more things, bigger things. Some of them want to go from being you know, an in-person therapist to being a coach or having a podcast or a YouTube channel or whatever it is. And uh, sometimes there is that hurdle of what it's like to be seen, be visible, you know, to, to um, develop expertise in something, to put yourself out there, to put your ideas out there. And certainly, you know, there, it's not always easy to do to either get started and work past that initial hesitation, but also just to keep doing it, knowing that some people will really like you and some people won't. And I have the best of, uh, both, not the best of both worlds, but I have, you know, both sides of things here in this business of some people that are really nice and say nice things. And then people that are really mean and we'll, we have to delete comments because some people are nasty and, uh, you just have to deal with that and trust that it's worth it. And the mission of your work is worth it. And like you mentioned before, staying connected to your purpose. Cause if, if your purpose is bigger than that, then you'd be willing to kind of, um, work through some of that discomfort along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, as we kind of uh, start to wrap up here, Nicole, what um, I guess if there's one thing that you hope therapists can take away or remember from this interview, what would it be? And then, of course, um, just a final kind of call to action for, for folks to get in touch with you and learn more about your programs. I think we have to take an honest look at the origin story of our desire to be an, a therapist and desire to even you know, start a practice. Um, and to, to be honest with ourselves, there's nothing wrong with childhood trauma being an impetus for you wanting to do this work. There's nothing wrong with that at all. In fact, it can be what makes you a fantastic therapist. It can be what makes you a fantastic entrepreneur. But when we are outside of our awareness around it and are not managing, you know, what triggers tend to show up for us, where are those four categories do I tend to get triggered? Because not everybody gets triggered in all four of those. Um, you know, what that is for you if you are not doing that, then you are defaulting into patterns that are holding you back in your, in yeah. your practice, yeah. right? And you're putting other per people first and you are the most important person in your practice. End of story. You are the most important person. And if you don't feel like that and you don't have the people, the support, the systems around you to support you, um, because what works for you will work for you then, you know, that's something to take a look at, you know, ask for some support, some, some support. You, know, you can, you contact me, of course, um, or, you know, it's there, you know, there's amazing people like you out there that can help. It doesn't have to stay this way. So give yourself a minute, deal with the shame spiral that we all deal with, right? And, you know, see what kind of support it is that you need. And I have to tell you that I work with business owners every day who wish that they had therapists that understood this, what we're talking about today and understood the work that I do so that they can go to therapists to work with um, trained professionals on their business issues, you know, that they can, they yeah. don't have to 
um, compartmentalize their lives that they can come in and they can talk about how trauma is in their business and they can have a therapist who's not afraid to talk to them about that. Right. Right. Great stuff. And so much um, work to be done on all this. So um, I've certainly walked away with a lot today and things to think about. Um, um, Yeah. Thank you again so much, uh, Nicole, for being here. I will go ahead and put a link to your website here in the comments for people that are here live. And then again, people that are going to be listening later, you can find it in the description or if you're listening on Spotify or iTunes, um, it'll be in the description as well. Um, yeah, th- again, thank you so much, Nicole, for, for doing this and for being here. Um, it just so happens that next week, that's Thursday the 29th at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, we're talking about trauma again with uh, our guest, Jenny Hughes, who's going to come and talk about the impact of vicarious trauma on you and your practice. So um, it's uh, it's trauma month here at Private Practice <laughs> Workshop. And uh, yeah, really, really great to, to, to be um, talking about this stuff and so much interest uh, for sure. Um, Nicole, thank you again for being here and uh, we really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Take care.